0: It was 58 years ago that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.
1: Uh, put out a call to people to join in Selma, Alabama, uh, to march to Montgomery and to be present as advocacy
0: for the Voting Rights Act uh, was building. And our friend and
1: neighbor, Nicole Dontremont, heeded that call. And tonight, uh, she is going to tell us about that experience as we remember and as we move forward.
2: That's Reverend Will Green, pastor of the New Bracket Church here on Peaks Island, introducing Good Trouble on Saturday, March 25th, as Peaks Islanders commemorated the 58th anniversary of the end of the 1965 Selma to Montgomery March for Voting Rights and to protest the treatment and killing of civil rights activists. Nicole Tremont addressed the hope that she had for the presentation, what she wanted people to learn about the movement that night.
1: What we
0: want to do to, to, uh, this evening is to uh, create the sort of energy that uh, we had during that time. And certainly music was an essential part of that. And uh, the, the choir, I, I can't thank the choir enough for, for joining this effort because it was a move, the, 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 the music that got our feet marching, uh, that stiffened your spine, that um, Created cohesion in a group and encourage nonviolence because if you have a force coming toward you and you are going to be arrested, if you can sing a song, you root yourself into that position and but in in a way that's a little transcendent, you know, because you're singing these these strong words and you're doing it together. So I, I hope we, we can we can kind of Uh, have that feeling in in the church today. uh, today.
2: The presentation is part of an effort to raise funds for Foot Soldiers Park and Education Center in Selma, Alabama, spearheaded by longtime civil rights activist Joanne Bland. Joanne marched in Selma as an 11-year-old child. The Peaks Island event raised over $2,500 for the effort. Her
0: vision is to build. It isn't there yet. That's why we are having donations for it. This is a a call that's going out to the entire country through her website, um, but she wants to create um, a park for children that is dedicated to John Lewis, the very man that she, when she was 11 years old, went across the, the pettus Bridge with.
2: The concept for the park isn't limited to just the park. It's also a place for people to learn about the history of the movement and the philosophy the power it.
0: She wanted to do this, the, uh, the Park for John Lewis, and a study center where people could come and um, learn about nonviolence and the, 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 the art of nonviolence and, and, um, and study the movement that happened in the American South.
2: The importance of education in the movement can't be overstated. Nicole talks about the kids who were essential to the movement what the community focused on in their civil rights education.
0: And the important thing about this too is that she wants it to be for the foot soldiers, the people who um, maybe aren't the icons, you know, of the movement, the ones that you know, like Martin Luther King, was certainly magnificent. But there are many, many people who followed him and he would agree with this, I'm sure, um, who deserve um, commemoration. And so I hope we, you, you, will, you, you will hear some names that maybe you, you haven't heard before or read in, in the history books. Uh, there have been Mississippi summer the summer before, where three young people were killed. There have been freedom schools. And also these kids, they were, they were learning from mentors from students in SNCC and in uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and also the um, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. They were learning techniques of um, resistance and nonviolence and black history. They were learning black history. And they were making black history. And I think that was, frankly, better than any school. And I'm a school teacher. I was at one point.
2: Nonviolence, of course, was critical to the movement. The Southern Christian Leadership Conference and Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee believed in the power of nonviolent protest in the face of aggression and violence. That dedication was put to the test when they tried to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Nicole explains what happened.
0: There's John Lewis in the white raincoat. And uh, there's Hosea uh, Williams, who is with Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and and uh, John Lewis was with SNCC. And what you see here are the troopers moving right away. They have gas masks ready to put on. They have their truncheons, and the The man with the hand outstretched, it isn't Clark, it's somebody else. He says, go back to your church. This is an illegal march. Take yourselves back to your church. John Lewis says, sir, may may I have a word? The response is, there will be no word. And they moved in. John Lewis is clubbed. He thought he would die on that bridge. And when you, if you look at that video, it's very moving, what he has to say, because he faced death there. They're clubbing people indiscriminately, and then the next, they're tear gas. They shoved everything they chased, and I, the shot that I couldn't show, the posse guys with their whips, whipping people.
2: In addition to being a principled position, nonviolence was also a smart strategy in a televised age. Millions of people saw how brutal the white establishment was towards the peaceful marchers, and it drew many to action, including Nicole, who at that time was in New York City, engaged in a different kind of social justice work.
0: I was working with a Catholic worker at that time. I had been there for a year, working on the Bowery, with the soup kitchen, and um, and a house of hospitality for folks who needed a place to stay and um, I, um, I was writing for the paper and I asked Dorothy Day, my boss, maybe some of you know of her, pretty legendary woman, um, if I, I wanted to write about Selma. I wanted to be there, I wanted to see what was going to happen and I had a traveling companion, my friend uh, Sean Callaway, he, he was an artist uh I, I get a kick out of saying this. he was an artist, and he he worked for Nativity Parish. Can you imagine that? You know, that's when the church you know had John the Twenty Third, and now he had Francis, so that's that's a good omen. But anyway, Sean said he, he, he wanted to come too, and so I got the money from Dorothy Day, and uh, we went down to the Port Authority, and um, I'll tell you the story. Um, I'm still there. Okay, we we uh, we had our backpacks and you know our um, sleeping bags and and Sean had I thought ill-advisedly decided to grow a little beard and uh, he's a tall good-looking guy with curly hair but he's got this little beard and uh, and we're down there like I, I had the money and so I went to the ticket agent and. Um, He's kind of looking at me and looking at Sean, and, and uh, I remember pushing the money under the till, you know, the thing there, and he paw, pawed it back, <laughs> and he kind of looked again and I uh, said, yeah, I'd, I'd like, you know, uh, two round trip, two round trip tickets to Montgomery. And he looked at me and he said, um, y'all want to buy life insurance? <laughs> <laughs>
2: To me, this was the most engaging part of the presentation. Nicole shifted to a largely first-person narrative about what she saw and what she did in Selma as a 23-year-old looking to advance civil rights in our country. Next, Nicole talks about entering the South and the cultural war that was waged against the movement from the moment she got there.
0: First thing I saw crossing the county line into Montgomery was this big billboard with... Martin Luther King, supposedly at a communist training school. This is a Highlander folk school for Gandhian nonviolence and folk song and wonderful, wonderful things. But the whole thing was that King was a communist and a threat and everything that was being generated by him um, was
2: A criminal. Luckily, they were in for a friendlier reception once they reached the church. There she met James Orange of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference.
0: And so he welcomed us and um, told us, you know, sort of tried to orient us. And then he gave us, um, we also got our uh, ID. It says that that I'm a visitor in Salma, Alabama. I've carried this in my wallet for 58 years. I'm a visitor in Selma, Alabama, and I'm, I, uh, I can receive free meals. So I, I might, I'm going to try to get down there next, next, next year and see if I can cash out. Because.
2: because of the risks to northerners, or outside agitators as the locals called them, the white volunteers stayed with black families while they volunteered in Selma. You can hear Nicole's discomfort with using what was likely the best room that her host family had to offer.
0: I stayed at Mr. and Mrs. Edward Bell's home with their five daughters, tiny little space. I had their bedroom, I'm sure, it was a nice double bed. I don't know where Mr. and Mrs. Bell slept. I don't know where their five daughters slept. I hope I was a generous and considerate 23-year-old and thank them, I, I know I was in their bedroom. Um, but that's how the black community totally embraced us. We could not go into the, go in, into the white community. We were outside agitators, and we were, had a target on our back, really, because of that.
2: Nicole's first march almost seemed like a training opportunity so that way they could practice the tools of the nonviolent movement. The white volunteers were to go to the white section of town and protest in front of the mayor's house. Nicole recalls that the group was nervous on that first outing.
0: We did end up in front of Mayor Smitherman's uh, place, and Wilson Baker was already there, and the police cars were there. And we, uh, Sean and I joined these other white folks, and they were, um, you know, right hand over your left, and swaying back and forth and singing We Shall Overcome in a very white rendition. (laughs) Very white and very scared kind of wobbly, and we were all being arrested. We were given the choices to go back to our church um, three times, go back to your church, go back to your church, go back to your church, you're arrested.
2: Well, Nicole got arrested, but was out in time to get ready for the march to Montgomery.
0: Here's the beginning of the march. People are in their finery, um, waiting to march. They, what I mentioned before, the march started out with 2,000 people at that point. More people had come, and um, so we were all assembled in Brown Chapel, we're ready to go, the, we have the protection. Um, and uh, right here you see Martin Luther King. The, the lays were from Hawaii, I guess, which I didn't know, but I've read about recently. Um, Ralph Abernathy, John Lewis.
2: Though folks were excited to march and were buoyed by each other's spirits, there was some danger. The march planners even had to divert most of the marchers from a troublesome county.
0: This is Lowndes County. Only 350 people were allowed to go through Lowndes because it was so dangerous and so infested really with the Klan. It was easy for snipers to get somebody. So if you were, you could, we all started out at the march, but then we had to peel back either to Selma or on to Montgomery. And then after this, after people got through lounge, we could join up again.
2: When the marchers all met up in Montgomery, they camped out, waiting for the rally.
0: Finally, we, we camped out at the, what they call the city of St. Jude outside of um, Montgomery. It was wet, rainy, sleeping bags were soaked. But, and then a lot of the celebrities came in. Um, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and there was a concert, and um, Joe Baez, and Harry Belafonte, and there was all that.
2: Those big names lent themselves to the march. But the biggest moment came the next day when Martin Luther King Jr. spoke. Nicole and the New Bracket Choir attempted to recreate the energy from those words.
0: So as you're coming in and kind of gathering around, Martin Luther King starts to speak. And um, I'm sure everyone has heard his speeches, but I just wanted to, to read a little bit of this, how long, not long, because I think you're in the, you're, you're in the crowd now. You've just walked, piecemeal maybe, from Selma to Montgomery. And here's this man speaking in, his, in the incredible cadence of his voice. And it's ringing out through the 25,000 people that are massed. And he says, how long? Not long. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. How long? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long? Not long.
2: So what do you do when you're 23 and coming off such a historic experience? Some marchers were staying in Montgomery and others were flying out. Nicole and Sean were trying to figure out what to do.
0: Uh, Sean and I were lucky enough to grab a hold of a uh, farm truck, one of those big old things with wooden slats. And I remember jumping into it and very glad that we got it because we... Well, actually, the fact is, Sean and I didn't have any plans. We, uh, and I guess this really got me. I mean, we were 23, so no uh, plans. You know, I mean, yeah, we got here, and we we weren't we weren't sure we wanted to go back to New York. You know, um, we didn't know what we wanted to do. So we got on the truck, and we, we knew we, we could go back to Selma. We, you know. Uh, knew that, we didn't want to go to Montgomery. And so we're, everyone's like really high. I mean, we'd done this thing and Martin Luther King, and you know, we were feeling great. And people on the, you know, cheering us, we were clapping and yelling. And, and then we got out of Montgomery and then we kind of were getting into Lowndes County. And a voice said, women and children, down. And I went right down because I knew enough now to be scared. And I remember scooching down and looking out the slats. And right next to me was this young kid, maybe eight or nine, black child. And his eyes were so big and we were both looking at one another, and we were both scared. And we, the the trick is in Lowndes County, you always go the, the speed limit. Um, so we hushed up and made our way through and got into Selma proper. But I remember that moment, certainly. Um, and I think well, yeah, I'll just continue with Lowndes County. But that's, that's the road, that's, that's the perilous piece of history that maybe is, shouldn't be so footnoted.
2: When Nicole got back from Selma, she and Sean were in for another experience of white resistance to the movement. Sean walked over to the federalized troops who were there to protect the marchers from violence.
0: So I watched him go over, and the guardsmen are there, and uh, they look at him, He's, they break, they just break formation, and all of a sudden they've circled around him, circled around him, and I'm thinking, hmm, uh, but it didn't last long, they broke back, Sean comes out, <laughs> and he comes over, and I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, they told me to get my Jew boy ass back to New York City because at 12 o'clock, they weren't federalized.
2: I'm sure you've heard the stories about white posses trailing black people down dirt roads and lynching them. I'm sure you've also heard stories about those posses chasing and beating white people who are working with black people as well. Well, Nicole, our neighbor had a harrowing experience like that with a group while she was walking through a black neighborhood in Selma.
0: Going down these little roads, and there were stray dogs and flowers, and, and we were just ambling. We had nothing really to do. And all of a sudden, we kind of felt creepy. <laughs> you know, like an intuition, maybe we heard something. And we turned around, and we were being followed by a truck with white guys in it and we sped up, and the truck sped up and so we knew what was going on. What we didn't know is a black woman was looking at us, at the whole situation. She was in her yard, her little house behind, and she saw us, she was tending her flowers I think, and she just went like this. And we skedaddled right into her yard. And that truck took off. And she just looked at us. She goes,
3: mm, 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 mm.
0: <laughs> and uh, she said, you know how to get back to your church? And I'll t- <laughs> it was funny. I, I hadn't thought about having a church. I mean, at 23, I didn't think about having a church. I was so glad I had a church there and yeah, said, so No, no we, we don't know how to get back to our church. So you come in, we come into the house. And she either drew us a map um, or she just told us, because we weren't far away. I mean, we just weren't paying any attention. It was just right and the left, and we're back there. So she said, You, you go back directly, directly. And then she said, But come back tomorrow, same time, directly and I'll make you lunch. Okay, so we went back to Brown Chapel. Next day, we directly, without hesitation, went back to her little home. Her home couldn't have been more than 12 by 15, something wooden, tin roof. She had invited her next door neighbor, the deacon, to come. He was wearing his pressed White shirt, black deacon pants, and and uh, she said she had a big bed in the was I remember bed and the table, and she said well now you chilling, you sit there on on the bed, and we sat there, and from that little stove, we got a plate each of fried chicken collard greens, black-eyed peas, rice, I think cornbread, and for dessert, peach cobbler, and chicory coffee. And That was one of the, I think, maybe the best meal, certainly the most memorable meal, and the most delicious, and while we were eating, the rain came, and the rain on the roof, and sitting on that bed, and I felt so safe and so welcomed.
2: Now, 58 years later, Nicole is still making good trouble, helping Joanne Bland raise funds for the Foot Soldiers Park and Study Center. And you can join her, too, by donating through the link in the show notes. We'll close with the New Bracket Choir and audience all singing We Shall Overcome. But first, some thoughts from two of the choir participants. And we'll start with a reflection by Ross Sneed, who attended the event.
4: I'm Ross Sneed. I live over on Island Avenue, across from the school. Some friends suggested that we come over and uh, we're really glad that we did. I wasn't aware, although I'm not surprised, that somebody on Peaks Island had been at the March on Selma. Um, And, uh, you know, it really opens your eyes to the sacrifices, the um, different world that we lived in in, uh, in that time and um, thank goodness we've made progress but there's so much more to be made and so that's why I think it's important to have events like this and to have the, um, the organization that this was uh, supporting um, that they are trying to remember not the leaders um, who we always talk about but the foot soldiers I think that's really important.
2: Ross's remarks are a reflection of what was on many minds that evening as people saw parallels with the ongoing struggle for justice in the 21st century amid police violence and systemic injustice. Mavorny Thompson was part of the choir and views the struggle for justice as a lifelong commitment.
5: Justice is, to me, the predominant value that we need to work towards. Our family growing up was quite poor. But a story that impressed me uh, deeply was the, my father, who was Roman Catholic, uh, raised was raised in uh, the late 18s, 1800s and early 1900s in a place called Russell, Minnesota. And his family, in fact, in Russell, was the only Irish Catholic family in the community. And he told us the story of how he was so proud that at christmas time the school teacher in the city in the town came and stayed with his family for christmas dinner and that was a big big honor and i never he never had a bad word to say about anyone ever my mother in the meantime grew up in um southern in Oklahoma in the early 1900s, and she was taught to cross the street if, in fact, a black person was walking on the sidewalk that she was also on. And um, I chose to believe what my dad did, so or the meaning behind that. Well, I served on the State Human Rights Commission yeah. and also on the State Ethics Commission, and um, those both of those organizations were formed by the legislature to promote both human rights and ethics in polit- political um, political advertising and so forth. And that was uh, important for me that I was able and asked to do that. I want all of us to talk to our kids and our grandchildren. And I know of Conversation I had tonight, and also at rehearsal on, fr- on last night, um, some of us as adults, some of our group as adults, do not understand, uh, for instance, who George Wallace was, or what Lyndon Johnson did to promote civil rights, and what George Wallace in the in the obverse did to, um, you know, discredit people's rights.
2: Longtime Islander and choir member Kate Taylor thinks it's important that young people were present for the event. She hopes that they'll use it to fuel advocacy in today's world.
3: My daughter is here and brought a bunch of teenagers because I think I heard my warning say that's an important thing we need to do is let the next generation help them to understand what happened and how important it is to keep communication open and connections open and keep fighting for this. They need to know their history. They need, and there's a movement now against uh, teaching all of this history because it's uncomfortable, but they need to know it. They need to understand it. They need to be proud of everything that was done. A lot has been accomplished, and they need to understand the people who were strong, And the faith that motivated people and keep going, keep trying. It's not over yet. We need to keep supporting this democracy that we have.
2: To truly continue this mission, we need people and organizations that can teach the values, the principles and the methods of the movement. Many thanks to Nicole for raising awareness of Joanne Bland's cause and teaching through her own life what dedication to civil rights looks like. If you want to be part of that story and make true the words of the anthem We Shall Overcome, please do check out Joanne Blaine's campaign for Foot Soldiers Park and Education Center in the show notes today. You can find that and all of the resources from this island event at peaksonradio.com good trouble.
0: walk hand in hand.
1: We're